and good morning and welcome to another chat with Krista Pretorius and myself, Odessa Beer, on what we've decided to term small business, big leadership, where we'll be talking about everything um, pertaining to leadership. Sometimes it pertains to business, sometimes it pertains to church, sometimes it pertains to parenting, because as parents, we're all leaders. So welcome, Krista. It's lovely to have you here again uh, on this Friday morning. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Odette, for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today. Um, I think it's going to be just a good time of learning, a good time of growing. And thank you for everybody that's, that's watching, that's tuning in today. I believe you're going to, value is going to be added today in, in more ways than one. Like Odette said, you know, it might be in the area of business, it might be the area of family, you know, even marriage. You know, I think as, as a husband, as a wife, you know, as having a partner that, there's a great place to lead. It's within the home and leading the kids. So definitely looking forward to today. Awesome. So if you are watching us live uh, in the comment section, wherever you're watching us from, let us know where you're watching us from. We, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching the replay, then just leave a little comment for us, hashtag replay. And if you've got any questions, hit us, send them in. If you're sending them in live, we'd love to answer them, obviously. But if you're sending them on the replay, you can still send them. We will monitor the comments and then we will respond to them and, and um, let you know our thoughts. Because obviously they are just our thoughts and everyone's open to have their own opinion. So Chris and I were having a chat over the past couple of days and also just before um, the session. And we one of the things we were talking about actually is slowing down to speed up. Christo, don't you want to just... Tell us about what that is. Like, it's, it's counterintuitive. Why should we? Definitely. In, in today's life, you know, things are so busy. People are, are running at the speed of, well, we used to say the speed of light, but I think it's even faster that people are running. You know, business is changing. Things are changing. You know, every day there's like new apps that's, that's available and everything is there to make your life easier and better. And sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not the case. I learned this principle um, many years ago, and it was even when we spoke earlier, you know, and you were alluding to it, is that, you know, I've also learned the principle about slowing down to speed up. But my setting was a little bit different. It wasn't business. It wasn't um, in the area of, of ministry. It started out on the rugby field as a 14-year-old. Um, I was playing fly half, and it was my responsibility to pass the ball to the rest of the team. And in the process of getting it to the, to the wing for him to score a try, you know, to get it there quick, we would knock the ball or we would pass it forward or it would be a terrible pass that they could, our teammate couldn't catch. And our coach would always come to me and he would say, Chris, go a little slower to go a little faster. And in the beginning, I didn't understand it because, like, you were just telling me to go fast, you know, like, we need to make this deadline. we got to get the product out. And now you're telling me to take your time. And then as he explained it to me, it's not so much about slowing down everything in the process. It's just that aspect of when you get the ball, make sure you are in control of it. And make sure when you release it and pass the ball, you give it to a person in a better position than what you received. Mm. And, and so, yes, I mean, that, I broke it down a little bit. I mean, it, it, it happens a lot quicker in the execution of catching yeah. and passing. But it's, I think it's a yeah. thought back. So, so maybe for the people out there is that where do I start by slowing down? Because you can't go into the office today or tomorrow or Monday and say, all right, great. We're going to slow everything down. You know, so production used to take us, you know, three days from concept to, 
you know, getting the product out there and manufacturing it. Now we're going to do it in a week. That's not what we're saying. I would encourage you start just by the thinking process of it. It's like, all right, am I in control of what I need to do? And am I putting the next person in a better position than, than what we started out with? And if we do that consistently over time, we will see from start to finish, we will do things a lot faster than when we have to do it all over again. We're dropping the ball. We have to once again make sure, are you on the same page? So that's for me the concept of going slower to going faster. I think it's also um, the concept of, of going slower to going to go faster. It's also got something to do with the systems that we put in place. Because if I've got a if I've got to think about everything every second of the day, then your brain experiences what we call decision fatigue. And then you look for shortcuts. And when you look for shortcuts, you inevitably, you're going to make a mess of it. But yeah. when we take the time to stop and go, okay, how should this work? Write it down, create our system, and then test the system, and then implement it. We've slowed down for a short amount of time. But that little bit of investment into slowing down allows you to speed up over time. It allows you to do things faster in future. It allows you to create a better production system if you're producing a product, um, yep. if you're creating a service of some description. It comes down to that system that you've got in place that you've had to take the time to slow down on so that you yep. could speed up in future. That is so true. That is so true. I like the, I like the way that you're breaking it down. Um, I'm thinking of, imagine you had to build a road every time you want to travel somewhere. No, thank you. Ima imagine, imagine nobody built a road that lost. And so, you know, people might say, why do I need a system? You know, I don't want to have all these systems because the system is going to slow me down. You know, we're not going to have all these systems because we want to make improv decisions. You know, we want to be able to be, you know, that. and I think that, and, and I actually want to ask you this question is that have you seen people that, that has too many systems and, and, and where systems are slowing people down? And, and what would you say is that, that balance of, of, of having enough systems to, to give you progress within your, your company and al allowing you to speed up versus, you know, just having systems for the sake of, of just having a system? It's a brilliant question. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so it turns out um, I may or may not have released an article yesterday around that particular subject. Um, when it comes to systems, I, I know I'm, I not read it yesterday. You, uh, well, <laughs> that's a good thing. We'll see. Um, when it comes to rules, I'm a I'm a rule lover. I really am. I enjoy rules. It gives us structure. It creates security. Um, it, in business, helps you replicate your results. Um, with kids, it gives them boundaries within which to operate. So systems and rules are all really, really good. However, um, in my post yesterday, I was referring to the old lady that used to cut off the, the roast top and bottom because actually, turns out, it didn't fit in the oven. But for three generations, they used to do that because... That's how they taught me. And that's what we do in business, right? We employ really clever people, especially in corporate. We get these people with these really impressive CVs. They've got this excellent experience. They've often got really, really good 
um, educational backgrounds. And then we tell them to go do this stupid thing. This is how we've always done it. Don't question it. It doesn't matter that you don't like it. This is how we do it. The problem with that is that we are stifling creativity and we're going against what we've actually employed them for, right? There is, Steve Jobs says it best. He says, I employ smart people to do the right thing. And I yeah. trust them to do that, right? So why would you go out of your way to, play, to pay a top talent person, because they are talent, you've invited them into your team so that they can contribute to your team and then you tell them, no, I don't, I don't need you to contribute to my team. I need you to be a pen pusher and just follow this process. No, guys, that's not right. So the best yeah. way around that is there's got to be a happy medium. And it's not coincidence that we start our three-day conference with strategy because we want people to be busy, of course, but we want them to be busy on the right things. If we have taken the time to understand and create clarity around where we're going and how we will get there, then we give people a framework within which to work. So our systems need to enable us to achieve our goals because otherwise it's just a system for the sake of it. And like you've rightfully said, then we start regimenting things and um, it almost become a religious thing which stifles creativity. We don't want that. We want to empower people. But the question then becomes, how do you empower people? We've got a system, we want to replicate the results, uh, but we also want to empower people so that they don't break rules because especially in a financial environment, we don't want to be in trouble with the regulators. Well, that's quite simple. We, in our system, create a base of operations. So we, it's like the road, right? When you're driving on the road, there's a line, the yellow line, which is the emergency lane. And then there's the either white line that's dotted or it's, or it's solid. And depending on what kind of line it is, you know that you can either pass or you can't. That's the purpose of those two lines. And it's the same with our operating procedures. There are some things, especially in a financial space, that are non-negotiable. The line becomes a solid white line. You may not steal. You cannot commit fraud. You cannot put that money in your bank account. It's a solid white line. You can't do those things. In insurance, however, sometimes you need to bend the rules a little bit. So there's a family that's stuck somewhere and they need a rental car and they need money for it right now. We can't get them a rental car, but we can get them for example, a, a cash card, and we can send them a code and they can use that immediately. It's not exactly in the standard operating procedures, but in this particular instance, it's the best thing for the customer and that will result in a good business outcome. Okay, then we should do it. So it really comes down to being clear about the value system um, and the character of the business, especially for small businesses. What do I mean by that? Um, in my business and with my clients, I encourage them to live the value of generosity. So we are in a world where, where people are saying, I'm not doing that unless you pay me for it. And that's normal, right? Everyone goes, not my job description. Yep. Or, you know, that's, that's out of the scope of what I can do. For me, if it's within my purview, and if it's something that I'm able to do really well, and it's going to add value to the relationship in the long term or to the clients right now, I would do it, even though it's not what I'm being paid to do. Because I live the value of being generous. That's what I believe. Because if we don't live the value of generosity, 
then we assume that there's not enough in the world. Yeah. Scarcity mindset versus growth mindset. There is enough in the world. In fact, there's currently more money in the world than ever has been in the history of time. So we can afford to be a little bit more generous. We can afford to share our resources. We can afford to share our expertise. It's not going to make you broke. And actually, seed you sow will produce a harvest at some point. So, you know, those are the things. So coming back to the question about how do we then empower smart people to be creative is you tell them what the, the boundaries are. You tell them, here's the emergency lane. These are the things we do in the emergency lane. And here's the solid line. Do not steal. Do not put the money in your bank account. No, you absolutely cannot sell that information. It belongs to a customer. But in these instances, I want you to use these things. So for example, Disney empowers their team to create happiness. And the way in which they do that is every single person that works on a Disney resort gets a daily allowance that they can use to create magic for a customer. And whatever that customer needs, they are empowered to go and do. Now, obviously, there are boundaries. If the customer goes, to make me happy, I need you to give me a bottle of alcohol, they are less likely to do that because it's a family business. It's a family resort. So that's the white line versus the teddy bear got left behind. I actually read a story where um, a family went to the Disney resort and the little girl forgot her teddy bear on, at the resort and they went home and she was terribly upset because her teddy bear was left behind. The Disney parks team took the teddy bear on all the rides and had photos taken wow. with all the characters and sent the teddy bear back with all the photos and said, we're sorry that your teddy bear stayed behind but he's been having an awesome time and here's a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, wow. his adventure. This is what he's been up to. Now, wow. is that in the operating procedure? No, it's not. Did that absolutely make that little girl's day? Yes, it did. Will she come back? Mm -hmm. Is she going to nag her parents? Yep. <laughs> Are they going to make more money? 100%. So like, that's sort of how I view the world. Yes, we need systems. And, you know, we need to be flexible, agile. Wow. wow. There's, there's so much in what you said. Um, and like, I'm, my mind's just brewing with questions, but I mean, I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna just uh, run into these questions. I think, first of all, I wanna encourage um, everybody that's, that's, that's watching, if you have not yet read that article of, uh, of Odette, please go, uh, Balancing Systems and Creativity, Empowering Smart People, for success it's it's really a great piece and and you will find so much value value in it i just want to um quickly read one thing that that you a statement that you made in there that really um stood out for me now maybe we can just go into that direction for for a bit but you said empower smart people to use their intelligent creativity by allowing them to break a stupid rule now like I said, you, there's so much um, in what you said just now. So there's a couple of things that I, I want us to maybe go back to is how do we empower um, these people that, that can use their abilities that we've employed them for? So how do we empower them? And then like maybe what is the, the process to identify what, <laughs> what is a stupid rule? Because we've been doing things for, forever. And once again, that example that you've given about the roasters, 
it's so brilliant. I mean, I think it's like a, it's really timeless because we we've all been there. We've all we all have things in our personal life. We all have things in business. We all have things in marriage. We all have things in an exercise program that is that stupid rule, and we all just do it. Nobody really knows why, but we all just do it. So, how do we empower those people that we have employed, and like, how do we identify what a stupid rule is? So, it's just my perspective, right? There are a million and one ways I reckon you could do this, but for me, it comes down to. In business, it starts with who you employ. Are you employing for the sake of it? Are we putting a bum in the seat? Or are we deliberate in the kind of person that we put in that seat? Okay. Because if you are, for example, if your job is to, if your business is about rehoming lost animals, you probably don't want to employ somebody who hates animals. But... This person that hates animals happens to be available immediately. Now, you've got to play that out in your head. If the person really dislikes animals, I can imagine that every single day with the dogs barking and the cats meowing and the, we've got chooks running around, I'm sure the chooks are probably an, an issue too. Like, that's going to be a problem for that person. So the chances are they are going to complain about things that are either irrelevant or that don't matter in that particular setting versus when you employ someone who's passionate about animals and they really care about the well-being of the animals and rehoming them to places where they will be loved and taken care of. If that person carries your DNA and um, DNA plays a big role in business, business, family, who we are, how we show up, if that yep. person carries that DNA, chances are that their passion for the animals will help them identify things that don't work. And then you have to put a structure around it because we can't have people running rogue. This is not Russian roulette. My structure that I like to put in place is daily stand-ups, speed checks, daily huddles, whatever you want to call them, a powwow. I don't care what you call them, but a 10, 15 minute meeting every single day where we talk about what happened yesterday. Are there any roadblocks? Did anything not work? Because leaders often think they have the answer, but actually your job's not to have the answer. Mm. Your job is to empower your team and to help them move roadblocks. Your team will tell you what's not working. And the reality is the people that face the customer is the people who will experience the challenges and who probably know how to fix it. But those are also the people that you give all the rules to. So those are the people that will come to your, your daily huddle or your check-in and say, you know, Christo, there's this thing. We have this rule in the procedure that says, I must ask you for your details, even though I know that I just spoke to you two minutes ago. Like, surely that doesn't make sense. Or I have the form in front of me and it's got all your personal details, yet I still need to say, you know what, Christo, you just filled in this form online, by the way, five minutes ago. Can I just confirm your details? Are you joking? Oh, you're joking. That's frustrating. No, it's a stupid rule. There Is your number still 082? <laughs> yeah, that's the one you phoned me. Are you for real? I must confirm that your number that I just phoned you on and I'm speaking to you on is the right number? No, guys, that's a stupid rule. So those people will come to you and say, you know what? Like people get very irritated when we ask them that question. I kind of see why. 
can we maybe adjust that rule? So that's how we would empower them. As to how do we identify stupid rules? Well, it's simple. Your customer is going to say to you, so can you explain to me why I have to fill in 10 forms every single time I've got to ask you a question or I've got to come to the bank? Um, banks used to do this a lot, actually. Every time you want to apply for something, they would say, well, here's the forms, fill it in with all your personal details. And I'm kind of going, why? You've got my personal details. You know where I get my salary. You know when I get my salary. You know how much my salary is. You have my contact details. You have my cell phone number. You have my email address. Why do I have to give you those things again? If, by the way, I'm logged on online on my personal profile, which only I can access. Like, stupid yeah. rule maybe, you know? Like, it's, it's contextual. So this is not something that you can say, so there's a silver bullet. And the process we follow is this, 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 this. It comes by being involved in your business and in your customers' lives. I like that. And when you are, then you notice things that just don't work really well for your customers. And I, I, I also want to point out that sometimes things happen that work in the industry, but they don't work in your business or they don't work for your customer. Just because the industry says this is how it should be done does not mean that this is how it should be done. Take, for example, um, Naked Insure. So Naked Insure has completely broken all the rules as far as insurance is concerned. They don't have a lengthy sign-up process. They don't ask you for your DNA when you sign up. Like, they just go, okay, you need insurance. What do you need to insure? They also don't require you to insure your entire house. You can insure just your cell phone or just your mouse. Like, you don't have to have a full portfolio with them. And you can only insure it for four days if you want. That goes against wow. everything insurance is created to do. It's breaking a stupid rule. But that's what customers want. I'm going yeah. on holiday for five days. I'm taking my camera. I just want to insure my camera. Okay, cool. Let's insure it. You know, break a stupid rule. So let me ask you this. Given that context, how would you apply breaking a stupid rule in your team? You're asking me or you're asking the audience? No, I'm asking you. I think it comes down to, to this, and it's actually a question I wanted to ask you. But, you know, <laughs> all the, so this is how I would, I would look at it, is am I more sold out to the rule or to the vision and the progress of, of the company? Because, you know, I think that that's where it starts, where, where I would, would start, is to, to ask yourself, you know, those type of questions. It's like, um, like, why are we doing these things? You know, yes, it made sense oh. to do it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but it's of no value. I actually saw um, an, an article the other day where somebody was still speaking about um, in their processes, you have to fax the proof of payment through to the, to the client. They, they've never changed it. They never really looked at it. I mean, what, does anybody even on this call know what a, what a fax is? <laughs> um, so I think it comes down to, to first of all, identifying find that um, is to realize, yeah. you know, what is the reason? And, and when you spoke about, once again, going back to the, the roast example, um, is the lady actually realized this is just silly. And she started going to every single person, 
get to the bottom of the reason. And I'm big on this. What's the purpose of doing certain things? What's the reason why we're doing it? Because if we can understand the reason, then it would mm. eliminate um, so many steps and we can literally just cut that rule yeah. and, um, and, 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 and go towards the progress for us. So yeah, I think that's, that's where, where it starts for me. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people are sold out to things that we should no longer be sold out to, you know, um, the vision and the, I like um, what what um, these great entrepreneurs um, all have in common is that they they have a, a vision of satisfying cast, customers' needs. And that's all they focus on. If you look at Steve Jobs, mm. their main thing was just they want to think differently in everything mm. that they do. You know, if you look at um, Jeff Bezos, you know, their focus is, is the client. Their focus is that they want to have, you know, happy customers. And, and everything is in line with that. You, you spoke mm. about Disney. Earlier, I read a, a book on, on how Disney actually trained their employees. Um, everything is about those people that are coming through the doors, that are coming to the park. And so when you tell that story about the teddy bear, I mean, that is, you, you, you could even have told the story without mentioning the name of the company. And I would probably and you'd know because <laughs> they are so focused upon um, upon the, uh, the people. Th they got an interesting concept is they speak about on stage and off stage. On mm. stage and off stage. Everything within their organization is about that concept is that what are we doing on stage? It's a production. It's there for the people. And what are we doing mm. off stage? Off stage is behind the scenes. Nobody sees that. Um, that's where we, you know, get ready to, to go on stage. And I think within our organizations, it's important to have, you know, those places where people know, listen, if I drop the ball, I can drop it here. And there's a safe environment for everybody that's going to contribute towards that. And when we get to the place of execution, there's a certain way that we're doing things. Um, you were speaking earlier about the emergency lane, you know, and making decisions within that emergency lane. Um, I like that concept. Um, I've, I haven't heard that before. Um, maybe I've, I've been more into this area where we speak about ICU decisions. You know, when are we making decisions that is critical, but I like what you say, the emergency lane. Um, maybe how did you come up with that concept um, of, of, of using that terminology within, within the structure of your business? We all drive on roads. <laughs> I didn't come up with roads. I have no idea who came up with roads. I just know, especially here. so in South Africa, road rules are guidelines, right? I know, I know, that's not what Metro Police wants to hear. But in general, in South Africa, when there's a, a law pertaining to the road, it's more of a guideline, especially if you drive a taxi. In Australia, the rules are the rules, 100%. And if you break those rules, they have huge consequences. So here, dotted lines, yes. Solid lines, no, and emergency lane only for emergency. So, like, I didn't come up with a concept. Somebody else did. And I just feel like that's kind of how I steer. The mm. same goes for my clients. Like, we create boundaries because that's, that's how it works. Even for my kids, actually. There are boundaries that are absolutely non-negotiable. And there are boundaries that are, eh, we can be agile around those. And as much as I like to be completely black and white and there's no gray in between, 
the reality is there's tons of gray and how I would operate in a normal situation versus how I would operate in an emergency situation is not the same thing. And sometimes the two may seem completely contradictory, but the reality is each of them have their merits and we have to get to the point where we are comfortable in playing in the gray and going, but this is not normal. These are not normal circumstances. And given this is not a normal circumstance, you know, we need to do these things or we need to do things differently. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, situational leadership. That's right. That, that is, that is so, so true what you are saying is that just because we bent the rule or, you know, we had to go the extra mile for this person because it's an emergency doesn't mean it becomes the standard operating procedure going forward. Mm. We, no. we went to the emergency, we went to the scene, but now we're back mm. to, to the way we do things. So it's like there's, there's a way we do things when it's, when it's in certain situations. I like mm. that. I like that. That's a, mm. that's a thought I'm going to delve into a little bit more, situational leadership. I think, it's, I think it really comes down, and I, I've, I've said it before, it comes down to the DNA of the organization because the way your organization operates in an emergency situation versus the way another organization operates in an emergency situation is not the same. Um, Patrick Lancioni in The Advantage talks about the culture of the organization and how it basically boils down to strategy, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast every, every day of the week. And I, I buy that. Like it took me a while as a, a professional to buy into that because I'm, I like rules. Like, come on, who doesn't? Um, but the reality is the rules have their place and they provide us with direction and they keep us safe. But if within those rules, we've got a nasty culture, then even the rules won't keep you safe. It comes down to the people we bring on board and the people we choose to partner with. I am in my own business, very particular about who I partner with. With my clients, my number one rule is you've got to make sure that your values align to their values before you do anything. And in addition to the value alignment, there must be something that connects to where we're going with this because it could be a great opportunity, 100%, but the wrong thing because actually where we want to go is not there. We wanted to go there. And if we don't have that clarity around where we're going, why are we doing this? My first question is always, why are you doing this? What is your purpose in your business? And please don't tell me it is to make money that is a terrible purpose. But why do you exist? And then once you know why you exist, how do we get there? How do we behave to get there? For some organizations, um, getting there means showing up with a suit and a tie and speaking very formal English and keeping to the rules. And that's fine for a legal organization. But for some organizations, it's pitching up with tackies and you know, I've just brushed my hair. I just dropped off the kids and I'm in my sweats. It's all yep. good. But that's the DNA of the organization. That's how we achieve our goal. And if we don't have that alignment and we connect with, can you imagine like soccer mom meets private banker and the two of them are now going to go and create, 
I don't know, this family family oriented business. It's not going to work. It's not. I mean, and we've got to be clear about how we put those things together. And there isn't a right and wrong. There, there really isn't. It, it is about what is your DNA versus what is the DNA that you're bringing in. And when your DNA is aligned, you create a team and you create a culture where everyone is on the same page and we hold ourselves and our teams accountable and we make sure that we empower our people. You said something um, yesterday. Sorry, guys, you weren't part of the conversation. It is what it is. There are other yeah. conversations. But you said something. You said, hold the leaders accountable and love the people. And mm -hmm. that for me was like, oh my word, yes, 100%. Because we often, we're scared of holding leaders accountable, but we forget that as leaders, you get paid the big bucks. You've yeah. got to put on your big boy pants and you've got to take a hiding sometimes. And that is what it is. But you mm -hmm. can never allow that to spill down to the people. You've got to love them because yeah. ultimately our businesses become an extension of our family. It's really hard unless you're a, a I don't want to say psycho, but unless you're um, not entirely put together, you can't draw clear distinctions between business and personal life. You mm -hmm. can keep them separate, but who you are at work is going to spill over to who you are at home. It is, and vice versa. So we've got to be clear about, you know, who we are and how we show up and then holding people accountable. It's, it's so true. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about two situations. One was uh, maybe about two or three weeks ago. I don't know if you, you saw this where they had the CEO of TikTok that, that was testifying mm -hmm. in front of, U.S. Congress, and they were just asking them all these questions. And you know, I'm not going to go into you know who's right and who's wrong, and um, where is our privacy, and is it a danger to our society? What I what I absolutely took from from the the interviews that I saw, and I, I didn't see the whole the whole thing. I just saw some snippets on on social media. But the CEO, he took all the responsibility. Like he took everything upon himself. He wasn't blaming people. He wasn't, you know, shifting responsibility. You know, he was to the best of, of what I saw, taking the responsibility and trying to come to a solution. Then we fast forward to what's happening in South Africa currently, where we have, um, I think it's the, um, now the name eludes me, the Tabu, the Tabu case, um, gentleman that escaped from prison um, a year ago. And... Okay. He, um, yeah, so he's a, a, a murderer, serial rapist. He escaped from prison. And only a year later, they like sort of realized, listen, this guy's actually out. He, he staged everything, you know, they had a, a, a body that was burnt in his cell and people thought it was him that, that died and, you know, it wasn't him and whatever the case might be. But now the, the security company, the, the, the prison, the actual prison, nobody takes responsibility. Everybody is blame shifting. Everybody's like, no, but, you know, this wasn't on. And, you know, we, we're still waiting for the investigators to let us know, you know, how he escaped. You know, how did this guy walk out of prison? And, you know, nobody, nobody knew about it. 
And if I just look at the two scenarios, you know, in, in the one section, you know, the, the CEO takes all the responsibility. In this other scenario, well, first of all, the, the company, the security company, never even pitched for the for the initial court date for the, the hearing. Um, you know, will be available <laughs> Easter. <laughs> then, and once again, please, I'm only seeing these things in snippets. Yeah. I'm not seeing the, the entire picture. So I'm not I'm not giving an actual, you know, um, view on this. I'm simply just bringing these perspectives from what I've seen is that, you know, even the, the, the questions that was asked yesterday to the to the legal team of um, of this company, they don't even have the, the full perspective of what happened in the case. And they can't even answer the questions. And so even this lady was saying, hey, you know, it's not your fault, you know, go back and ask them to send the right people that can answer the questions. Sure. The point I want to make is that I've seen it in these two cases so clear, the difference between people that take responsibility and, and people that, you know, just want to shift that responsibility and, and dump it upon the members, upon the workers. Mm. I believe as business owners, we as the leaders have to take the responsibility. Absolutely. Whatever the case, we take that full responsibility. It is your company at the end of the day. I know you I have employees. You. You know you pay them. And I know these things. But at the end of the day, we can't shift that upon the members. We want to hold the members accountable, but we don't even take responsibility of those things. And, you know, not getting into, you know, the details of the conversation we had, um, because it, I don't think it's ideal for, for, for this time and this platform on, on what we're speaking. But the concept that we take from there is leaders in our society are not, my opinion, are not taking responsibility. We mm. are responsible we have to love the members. We have to, when we say members, I speak about your team. I speak about the people that are working for you. I speak about everybody. Your family, your kids. You know, like, I, I always want to go to what we spoke about yesterday, but like, we don't want to get political and, and all of that. But we as leaders have to take responsibility. One of my favorite people uh, these days is uh, Jordan Peterson. And he speaks about this concept of allowing your kids to do dangerous things carefully. Yeah. Allow your kids to do dangerous things carefully. And, you know, he speaks about this aspect where in society we want to want to block people of doing things because it might hurt them. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously me becoming a dad in the next two weeks, you know, um, I'm all about how do I need to raise my kids? And I like this concept is that it, it speaks about being involved as a parent. You are involved, you're aware, you are there. It's not that you just allow your kids to do everything. No, you are involved mm -hmm. there, but you are watching what they are doing and you mm -hmm. are allowing them to take those risks. You are allowing mm -hmm. them to break that rule. You are allowing mm -hmm. them to explore but you still take responsibility of the parent of being there and assessing yeah. the situation and jump in whenever you need to jump in. And I think it almost like comes full circle about everything that we have spoken today yeah. is how do we empower people? How do we build this team? How do we give people the opportunity to break a rule, but we don't want them to be rule breakers. It's mm. being involved, being there, having an, having an overview of what's going on within your organization and allowing the people to play to their strengths and stepping in when you step in and not overpowering 
by setting all yes. these things in place because that's going to kill creativity every day mm-hmm. of the week. I just, I uh, while you were talking about the um, taking responsibility and accountability as a leader, I, I th- a thought popped in my head around the Disney on stage, off stage. Yeah. And I think this is the distinction that businesses miss. On stage, with the customer, it works. We make sure that you are taken care of. That does not mean that you get away, right? If something has happened, the guy taking responsibility at TikTok, something in his team is broken. He is sitting in front of Congress going, um, yep, we did that. Mm, we probably shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no good. We are sorry. We're going to fix it, right? I assure you that when he gets back to the office, there is a firm conversation around yeah. who did what, when, where, and why, and somebody's going to pay for it, right? There is going to be something. Something's happening. Yeah. But he still took responsibility, and Disney does the same. When it comes to delivering for the customer, Disney makes sure that the customer gets this magical experience at any cost, right? But that's, and I'm not saying create a magical experience at any cost. That's just, that's their business model. And it works for them. Probably not going to work for anyone else. Um, But when they get off stage, there is a review that takes place. And that's sort of where the speech checks comes in, where we go, Christo, this, this, and this happened. Mm, That probably wasn't appropriate. We need to fix that. Or you did these things, or you didn't do these things. We managed to sort out the customer because that should always be our first priority. Making sure that the customer is taken care of. If they feel taken care of, they will continue to come back. That does not negate the requirement to have a conversation afterwards to say, but guys, these are the things that went wrong. We do an after action review. This went wrong. We need to fix that. We need to address that. And then we come full circle and we we implement the changes the people still need to be empowered. Same with your kids. (laughs) I had a, I had a leader many years ago that said to me, I would totally let my kid put their hand on the hot plate after I said, it's hot, don't touch it. And I was like, what the hell? Why would you do that? They're going to burn. He goes, yeah, but they're going to touch the plate and they won't do that again. Next time when I say, don't touch it, they'll know. I was like, what? I didn't have kids at the time, but I totally get that. I many times have a conversation with my kids where I go, okay, you can choose to do that there will be consequences and you have to decide whether you're okay with taking those consequences. Obviously I won't let my kids jump into the fire. Obviously yep. I'm not going to let them jump off a bridge, but there are other things in life where you kind of go, yeah, you can try it out. You won't die. There'll be consequences, but you won't die. You'll be fine. And you'll learn from it. And I think, I think that's, that is so awesome, but that's also the part that, that we need to, play as leaders, as parents, as business owners, to go know what the consequences are, be clear about them, don't don't be secretive, and then afterwards fire the dude because he took a risk. That's not okay. But, you know, let it play out. See where it goes. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Tabu Besta, that's the last name. Yes. Tabu Besta. The guy that escaped from prison a year ago. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it, South um, Africa, the land of opportunities. I tell you, you know, and <laughs> you know, once again, it's it. 
I like to look at these things. And once again, I'm not saying that, you know, TikTok and, and the CEO, you know, they, they're doing everything right. I like the I liked his demeanor. I like the way that he approached the thing. He was writing down the whole time. Whenever they asked him a question that he didn't have an answer to, he would write something down. And it it maybe it was just the perception that I that I received, but it was the thing of he's taking responsibility. And, I, and I'm simply using these two situations to to point out like one situation where somebody is clearly taking responsibility for their actions. And on the other side, completely not taking responsibility at all, refusing to answer questions, refusing to even comment, you know. And and for me, it's I, I've got the saying, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And if that's the way things happen, you know, in, in the high court and nobody takes responsibility and you don't see the, the top people there, then it's most probably how a lot of other things and situations, you know, take place that. with. People, um, I heard this, kids know when you don't tell the truth. You can fool adults, but you can't fool kids. Kids will pick up a phony much quicker than, than, than we do. And so with that is many times business owners think that the employees or the customers are unaware of how certain things work and, and don't work. And, and they're, not. they're not. They're not silly. They they pick those things up very quickly, and we can try and mask those things. They 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 see it a mile away when you don't take responsibility. They see it a mile away when you come with with things that you haven't thought through. When your team is not on the same page, you can try and promote that we're in unity, and you know we all sold out to this new product that we're launching. But people can see it a mile away, and I want to encourage you out there: is if you're a leader, if you have a small business, take start taking responsibility of everything you have to take responsibility of every single thing that happens within your organization how you off stage handle that that is a different section from versus doing it on stage where people are seeing that we, we have this concept that we uh, we complement you know in front of people and we um, confront you know obviously off stage so we're not going to confront and correct people you know, on stage. I've seen this so many times as well, I did. Maybe you've seen this. You go to a restaurant and you're not happy with the service and you ask for the manager. And what does the manager do? He corrects the employee. In he chews out the person in front of you. It's terrible. And I'm like, there was, I'm like, what are you doing? That's not what I asked for. That's not how I even expect you to handle it. You know, um, just before COVID, I went to this uh, very, very well-known um, furniture shop in, in South Africa. And I was just asking, you know, for, for some service. And there was probably about three or four, not even managers. I think they were like even higher up senior managers, maybe even top execs within the company. And they were having like a little meeting. They don't even help me. They're shouting to one of the employees that's actually on the floor, that's busy repacking stock. They're taking him, they take him out in front of me. Because he's not supposedly doing what they expected him to do. Yet there were three or four of them standing right in the shop that can't help me. And they blame the poor old guy that's trying to do, you know, his best. And I mean, he, the guy handled it so well and he just smiled and came to me and said, what can I help you with? But I've, I don't think I've ever been back to that shop. Because I was, that is not leadership. 
that is not how you enforce your power and showing me the customer that, hey, you're like you're important and we're going to take care of our employees and make sure that they treat you better. How, how you treat, how you do one thing <laughs> is how you do everything. And I realized that they, this is why this shop is empty. This is why I don't see any other customers here because that is the culture that you display. I love that on that bombshell. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I that's I'm putting that in the comments. That is <laughs> very true. And uh, I want to encourage business owners all over. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Let that just sink in for a bit and then go see how you speak to your people. Fantastic. It was such a lovely pleasure to have you here again today, Christo. It was awesome chatting to you. I think there were a million and one nuggets of things yeah. that you said where I'm going, oh. so what I'll do next time, if I remember, is I'm going to pop them in the comments because there are some things that you say, I'm just like, oh my word, we need to hashtag that. So I started. One of them is hashtag keep it real. We have to keep it real because yeah. customers are looking for real businesses who care. Um, we have decided to make this a more regular conversation. So keep an eye out for updates as to when these conversations will take place. Again, if you join us um, watching the replay or if you're listening to the podcast, leave us a comment, give us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Christo, for, for joining us. And good luck yeah. with the baby that is on the way. Thank we are you. super excited for you and we celebrate with you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for everybody that's uh, tuning in. We really appreciate your uh, participation. Have a great day. Cool. Cheers, guys.